0: Hello, everyone. Uh, it's your host, Marissa True, and my co host, Stu Elms, and we're back for another episode of Tez Talks Radio. So, hey, Stu, how's it going today?
1: It's going well, considering the global circumstances. How about you?
0: Um, luckily, buffered from a lot of it, so I'm going to say. Good, all things considered. Uh, So on today's episode, we are speaking to Ola Reimar, who's otherwise known as Lolo, I believe, and she is the community manager for Tezos Ukraine. So hi, Ola, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, everyone, pleased to be here.
0: So simple, quick question. Would you prefer us to call you Lolo or Ola? You can call me Olya, it's fine. Olya, sorry, I apologize, I'll fix the pronunciation. So to get straight to it, of course, uh, all of us are aware of the state of conflict in Ukraine at the moment. And I do think that that is an important subject to address. So can you share what the situation on the ground is and where you're currently at?
2: Uh, I'm currently in Jakarta, Indonesia, and um, I can say that all of the team members of Tezis Ukraine are currently safe most of all of us um have relocated and relocated unintentionally Um, most of the team members are traveling all the time uh and we spend sometimes in asia sometimes in usa sometimes in ukraine Uh, and before the war started we were all kind of like traveling within our own schedules and then it all happened and we had to take care about our families so some of us had to go back and help our families to relocate uh, but finally we all are more or less safe and uh, trying to get back to to work because obviously it's the 14th day of the war right now um i think so I'm, i hope i'm not mistaking and of course the first week was shocking we would never think even like uh in the worst dreams or like scenarios that the war would ever happen i imagine having uh we had like one week before the war we had like a team meeting call just general weekly stand-up call and i was just like let's dress the elephant in the room uh, will it happen like like, what is going on? And uh, I remember one of the founders was like, Oh, no, dear, don't worry. It's like, it's a nonsense. Nothing will happen. We are safe in Ukraine. So, no one definitely expected this. We were not prepared. And that's true that uh, Ukrainian people didn't expect it to happen. We are very peaceful nations. So, As for now, the situation is pretty bad because Ukraine is being attacked from the sky and a lot of civilians are uh, being killed and also suffering a lot. A lot of cities are Surrendered and people have no food or access to medicine or access to relocation whatsoever so uh, But but still it's stable uh, you can say that there are 24 main big cities in Ukraine, like a regional important cities and none of those cities were actually occupied by the aggressor. So all of this, that cities are like pretty stable, but still we all are shocked how innocent people are being killed on the daily basis. And I think the most important factor is that how strong Ukrainian people are, like how they all united and how they become like Mm, so connected to each other i mean volunteering organizations and everything that is happening for, speaking for myself we would always consider ourselves to be global like we would from the Texas ukraine we would have like a community like communicating in ukrainian russian and english and we would always like uh, write articles for the blog in three languages. And we would never be like political or very strong, mm-hmm. patriotical or anything, we would never make such statements or whatsoever. And we will always position ourselves as kind of like nonprofit organizations that mostly promote taxes blockchain, and we would like to promote it globally, like do whatever we can, but especially in our countries, right. But even for us, the fact that innocent people were dying was so shocking and that our home was under attack. Like it was um, a strong point to make. And that's why we started the whole initiative and everything because that's the whole other experience when you see your Mm -hmm. kindergarten where where you went as a child being literally destroyed. And that's like, um, it cannot be. In any words, explained?
0: I mean, first of all, I'm very glad to hear that everyone in the Tezos Ukraine team is safe. Um, and unfortunately, they are extremely heavy circumstances. And it's understandable to see how essentially you are forced to take a stance when, you know, under attack. Um, it's devastating to watch on the news. Obviously, we're all buffered from it, we're watching it from the outside looking in. And it is very difficult to articulate. What exactly is happening? Because I don't think anyone foresaw a conflict of this magnitude happening in our time. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, hi, hi, Olya. Obviously, like it's a it's a terrifying and very sad situation. I'm just wondering if we could maybe get a little bit of a little a little bit of background before you kind of share more of your perspectives and what you guys are doing um, to to set the context a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about Tezos Ukraine specifically, when it was created, how big the Tezos community is in the Ukraine, things like that?
2: Yes. So basically, Tezos Ukraine is a nonprofit organization run by Ukrainian blockchain enthusiasts and industry experts. Uh, Our mission is to facilitate and um, expedite the growth and enhancement of Tezos network in Ukraine and Eastern Europe. Uh, it was created in 2014 or, for, or 15, if I'm not mistaken. And initially, it was like a very small organization of a few people there. Uh, but with the years, it grew much, much more, and that's when I joined the team. As for now, our community uh, encompasses more than 5,000 people in all social networks connected together. Uh, And we held hackathons, Uh, we do like workshops, educational courses for all the blockchain enthusiasts to learn about Tazis and learn how to use it while developing the technology. So in total, we held three hackathons and the recent one that we didn't have a chance to finish, uh, it actually had more than... 1000 participants and more than 100 teams in it, which makes it like huge in general. And our community of Tezos Ukraine is a very, very international, I would say, because it's uh, all Eastern country residents in there. Mm-hmm. But initially, the team of Tezos Ukraine is Ukrainians. Uh, so... Uh, Yeah, I think that's basically in a nutshell what we do and what our basic principles are. And it's also important to mention and underline that uh, we we are supporting TASA's network and we are trying to facilitate it in Eastern Europe. And before that, we have never made any kind of political statement or any kind of like, this type of activity is not typical for us. Mm. Uh, we would position ourselves as international organization in Eastern Europe. Uh, however, we were forced to step step into it we were forced to do something because it's kind of a situation where any human being is involved and this situation is kind of threatened the whole world Uh, that's why we were forced to become more active in this sphere right now
1: well obviously obviously things have escalated very very quickly yeah um how has that impacted your team and your ability to to do the things that Tezos Ukraine does.
2: So actually, before that, we had a pretty tight schedule, like before the war started and usually we have a pretty tight schedule because we have Texas Ukraine blog that is like that has weekly updates and our materials are always very comprehensive very educational and detailed we write different articles starting from the general news from the network and going into some kind of analytical or educational articles so uh, we try to post like three two times week Uh, and we are very busy with preparing those materials and also we are establishing educational courses time to time which involves like making video lessons making instructions and then holding workshops with experts and also with the specialists from the industry and doing some sometimes uh, kind of small quizzes and competitions for the users and then the huge thing is we have is the hackathons where we gather the teams from eastern europe give them the task Mm -hmm. uh this year it was 15 tasks and then it's like this year, it was the whole month of the hackathon, so we had a huge promotional campaign. And then for a month, we worked with the teams. We had uh, technical mentors and team mentors, and we provided constant assistance for, for the teams with their projects. So for a month, they had a chance to develop really, really advanced products that would even uh, apply for Taz's uh, foundation brands. Uh, and Tezos Foundation is always very interested in our hackathons because the level of the teams is very high. So that's how we were very busy. And the last month before the war started was so intense because we were uh, organizing the hackathon and we were working with the teams and we saw amazing progress from the teams and th- we had a lot of interest. Um, from the previous hackathons, actually, uh, The winners of our previous hackathons actually launched such projects as Temple Wallet or QuickSwap or tazas mandalas projects and all those projects this time were involved as sponsors and mentors each project from the network the most successful one provided a challenge for our hackathon and then they were so interested in like working with teams headhunting teams uh talking with them and we were constantly organizing that so it was very intense and very like Tight month for us, and we were like all expecting the first March to come when we can when we can just relax a little bit and take <laughs> some time off uh, because all Tazusikray we we are like a small team of uh, six people in total and uh, we were kind of like waiting for this time when we can breathe out and relax a little bit from it and then very unexpectedly the war happened and. Obviously, Eastern Europe is Ukraine, Russia, and other countries. And Ukraine and Russia are the bigger, two of the biggest countries in, uh, in this region, right? So we have participants from Russia, we have participants from Ukraine, we have a lot of mixed teams, as well as in our all social networks, Telegram, Facebook, Twitter, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So we faced not only the problem that how we are going to address this issue, like as an organization, but we had an actual problem, how to handle teams as for now, because there would be a lot of like discussion, right? And there would be a lot of emotions from the both sides, right? So we started to negotiate a lot and talk a lot inside of the team and trying to find the right solution. Of course, the first time, the first thing we didn't know, the first week we were all thinking about safety of our families. And then we were shocked by the things that were happening there. And uh, uh, personally, from my perspective, some of my classmates, they actually died. And... uh, That's kind of like people that you grew up with. So I personally was a little bit off for some time. I needed this time to like put myself together, right? So Mm -hmm. and then we started to work on the problems that I described and we started (laughs) to discuss it. And um, yeah, we we are trying now to solve all these issues as much as we can.
0: I think there's a few things to touch upon on what you just said. Firstly, the immense amount of effort that goes into running Tezos Ukraine and spreading awareness of the Tezos network via such a small team of, I think you said six people. So yeah. I think you should pat yourselves on the back for, I mean, the hackathon due to, to all the like the educational workshops, every single initiative that you're working on. It's so impressive. And the fact that you've managed to capture a community across Eastern Europe rather than just Ukraine Tezos Ukraine is more the namesake. Um, but then yeah, to anticipate sort of how you were going to handle the rising conflict as an organization when you know, you're know you also dealing with matters of personal safety and r- losing relationships. I'm so sorry to hear about your loss because I think that is one of the devastating realities of what's going on. Um, but in that, Tezos Ukraine did take a stance as you mentioned earlier. Um, you created an initiative to support Ukraine by fundraising Tez. Can you share more about where the funds are going and what it's being used for?
2: Yes. So um, we, we launched the Tez's stance with the Ukraine website uh, because, um, because mostly we wanted to uh, facilitate holders of XTZ and help them to donate to Ukrainian army because our community asked a lot um how they can help and what they can do in order to help and we noticed that it's impossible to donate tazis directly so we launched help tazis um tazis stands with ukraine website where holders of xtz can actually help and donate uh, tazis to come back alive foundation so what is come back alive foundation it's a uh, the biggest ukrainian foundation helping ukrainian Army and just Ukraine in general to resist the invasion. And it was formed, firstly formed in 2014 when Russia first invaded Ukraine. And uh, through this organization, Ukrainians already donated more than like 15 million uh, to the foundation. And um, this foundation proved itself to be. Uh, very reliable because they always post uh, receipts and all the reports. So since two thousand and thirteen, we had the chance to monitor their work and make sure that money goes to the right way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So eighty mm-hmm. percent of the donation are donations are going there, and then twenty percent are spread because there is a Ukrainian army. The the army itself that is fighting and i'm sorry if i'm mistaken because i'm not an expert in military art or any kind of military activities but there is like an army but there is like um, uh, forces that were formed to protect each big city because ukraine is a huge country right so there is 24 biggest cities and there would be like forces for example, the man ha- that cannot join join the army, they they cannot join the army. They didn't go to the army, so they cannot join. And they form kind of like organization. Uh, the the go- government forms this thing to protect the city itself, right? To protect the city. So the the uh, the rest 20% goes there, and uh, we have been mostly helping the. Um, these forces uh, for Odessa City because we kind of all have relation to this city, Tezos, Ukraine. Uh, so and there is a lot of like col- cultural uh, monuments there, a lot of like inheritance in terms of in terms of architecture. So we, we, we are spreading 20% among different like smaller organizations or where, where, where we see that we can help. Because as you said, we have a lot of like personal, I mean, not, I mean, personal connection to the, like some city or particular organization, for example, that, um, you know, that a lot of uh, hospitals were attacked. So we would help the hospital or help Mm -hmm. the volunteers. Yeah. Uh, And basically, basically. Uh, we are expe- accepting XTC, but we are also accepting, like, we are sharing the whole on our website, FindVisor website. We are not just encouraging people to donate XTC or only through our website. If you have Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, uh, Ukrainian army accepted directly as well. So you can find all those requisites and addresses and everything on our, our website as well. Our initiative is not about, um, it's not about making us like kind of popular or show off our work. We just try to spread information as much as we can mm. inside of the community. Because at the end of the day, the basic principles of Tether's community or any blockchain that would be like decentralization, transparency, and just like the basic human rights to be independent to make his or her own choices right if you try to make it as simple as possible and and dive into the core of the question and that's what we're trying to stand for that's the really important moment for the whole world to understand that it's our turn to do something not to be silent and not to be indifferent in this situation because every person can do something and can help in this situation.
0: Yeah, so it's become abundantly clear that cryptocurrencies being harnesses a very unconventional but rapid means of offering international support in times of crisis, whether on you know a broader level or a very much an individual contribution level. But to rewind that slightly, can we get a sense of what the state of cryptocurrency regulation and acceptance was in Ukraine prior to this?
2: Yeah, before the war started, the Ukrainian parliament was working on the bench of laws that would facilitate the use of the cryptocurrencies in Ukraine and uh, try to legalize the basic use of it. We also have the Ministry of Information Technologies that are working on a lot of projects also connected to blockchain as well, because Ukraine has a strong connection to a European union and try to implement implement every innovation that is happening here and there but of course we were far from using cryptocurrencies in everyday life or Mm -hmm. using cryptocurrencies as a governmental mean of payment uh together with fiat payments for example and it still was very difficult to um For example, pay taxes from your income into cryptocurrency, what so on, but not impossible. Uh, The usage of cryptocurrencies in Ukraine was still like much, much better than in other countries. And they were not banned at all. They were not like considered illegal. However, their status were a little bit wage
0: okay so while there wasn't necessarily regulations in place per se there was in general a bullish attitude or at least a very accepting attitude towards crypto adoption within ukraine
2: yes that's true and you have to understand that there was war happening since 2014 in ukraine so there was a lot of burning issues to solve while trying to uh, keep up with innovations, right? But uh, Ukraine has always been very new ca- innovative country and also very liberative, I would say, country with a lot of um, uh, democracy principles in it. So people were more or less like free to use cryptocurrencies in their daily life, if it's possible to say so um but after the war started of course uh the ukrainian government figured out that a lot of people would like to help ukrainian army with cryptocurrency as Mm. well so they started to accept it directly the national bank opened an account and so on uh, which i think is a very nice thing uh because a lot of users can actually donate without um, getting grimness or dollars or anything, and just with their wallet.
1: It's certainly uh, an, an interesting development, right? Yeah. Now, I've seen some estimates as much as $100 million have, has been raised so far in support of Ukraine. Um, what are you hearing about the, the impacts that these donations are having in the Ukraine itself?
2: Uh, yeah, so as I said, Stay, Stay Life Foundation are constantly publishing the reports and photographs of the things that were done. And they are making reports for every penny that were spent. Uh, till this moment, I think, um, like, since we started, we managed to uh, get almost 30,000 xtZ Like, I mean, when since the war started, and we already spent some, some amount of those money. We transferred them to Stay Alive, um, Come Back Alive Foundation, and also we spend them to help the protection forces of each city. So in our Twitter account, we constantly are publishing the reports and everything. But just to say about the effect, as you asked, it's very important to for people who are there in Ukraine, I mean, especially so- soldiers, to see that they are valued and they are taken care of uh, and people don't forget about them. Like, people do care. I mean, a country itself take takes care about its army and people, right? They provide some help, but it's very important to give them notion by any means, and especially by help, that we do care as well. Citizens of Ukraine are supporting them as well. And also we we are able in this way to tackle every single need. Like we are able volunteers, such volunteer organizations, they are able to communicate with, for example, each uh, division of the army and to identify their specific needs. Like what exact medicine do you need? Mm. What, What exact armor do you need for protection? And then deliver it specifically. So that is very much helpful uh together with the governmental support as well but yeah. it's not such so like you know specific as yeah. ours
1: well it's it's interesting to hear that because a lot of the a lot of the news that that we've been hearing about this is has been sort of focused on the the purchasing of weapons and defensive materials coindesk i believe referred to it as the weaponizing of crypto um but no, it, yeah. it, what, yeah. what other what other causes it's good to hear the other causes and the other ways that this money is being spent right because just because it's going to an army doesn't mean that it's being all no, spent on course. weapons there's a lot of things that require funding right
2: yeah and mostly we are providing the humanitarian help. It's like food and uh madison and uh like warm clothes or Mm -hmm. or stuff for example for odessa our city we were just buying food the basic things that they need i think people all over the world they don't really understand the scope of the tragedy there was more than 44 million people living in ukraine when the war started i mean that's the huge amount of civilians not the army itself and uh and they have to understand that they've been attacked from the sky. And that's a huge, like, psychologically, it's very difficult to stand this thing when you can't really leave your home because you're constantly being bombarded by the planes that are flying over your sky, right? And
1: uh, for those people, imagine.
2: Yeah, and they are surrounded. The city is surrounded. So they can't just go to this shop as they used to do. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly they are scared for their life and they see how they, their relatives are dying just nearby, or to see the death by your own eyes, it's very difficult, right? So mm-hmm. we, we are trying just to provide the help for those. And uh, it's very important to explain that uh, Ukraine have never, for, for its old history of independence, Ukraine have never attacked on or invaded other countries' territory. When we proclaimed our independence, the Ukraine stayed within its borders and have never invaded other, any other country or territory. We are a very peaceful nation and we have been we have been like a very international, even though we speak a lot of languages, English, Russian, Ukrainian, Polish, and so on and so forth. We are always staying neutral, but it's important to explain as well that we consider these, country to be our home and when someone is coming to your house with a gun and killing your close people you have to protect yourself uh we will not be just surrounding and saying that okay we are just i'm like sorry no that's not our choice we prove ourselves to be a very freedom loving loving nation right and we were always choosing the democracy we were always looking to the west and trying to choose this direction of our development Uh, our principles and basic human rights are very important for our people that's what we are protecting we are protecting our right to stay at our home and be independent choose our own future so um to everyone who is saying that now cryptocurrency is being in any way uh, corrupted by policy, politics or like now it's used to finance some conflicts, conflicts or whatsoever, that's not true. That's uh, not it. I think cryptocurrency, as any other innovation, have to prove it's use for the humanity uh, right it's an instrument that every human being has the right to choose how to use it right you can use Mm -hmm. it to make a profit you can use it to uh make your personal statement here here i am i hold cryptocurrencies i believe in future or something like that right or you can use it to help your country when it's needed um Again, it's not this war was not started by Ukraine and it's only the defense that we are trying to do now. We are not trying to invade any other territory or mm. anything. so
0: I think I think that's actually a very important distinction to draw because when people speak of the politicization of crypto, they forget that ultimately it's an underlying technology. it's blockchain technology, it's not sentient, it doesn't have a say it's just a channel of exchange and what is exchange is ultimately down to its users and however political they want to be is their own choice and so it's difficult to say you know everyone needs to take a stand or like blockchain is taking a stand when it is not capable of that it is strictly a technology um I do also think that you emphasized a great thing where you were saying that military supporting military efforts don't just go to the weaponization of a side it goes much more to the the resilience and like the survival of these groups and making sure that they have enough resources to provide aid to provide food and shelter to those who may have lost their homes or are in particular danger especially more vulnerable populations, uh, the elderly children, is like children as well. And so I think it's important that people realize that, you know, one, that they know what they're funding. Everyone needs full transparency of knowing where their money's going towards. Yeah. And two, that they're comfortable with what that is and they're comfortable with that being their means of support. So I think it's it's great that you offered that clarity to people because I do think in situations as charged as this, a lot of that gets lost in translation and lost in the mix. And people perhaps play politics where politics are not particularly helpful at this juncture, when people are in need of resources. So thank you for sharing that. That was really, really good to hear and good to learn about.
2: I think think it's really important to mention here, is uh, to ask for patience uh, for test community or any people who are listening to us and are not Ukrainians. If you have been reached, reached out by Ukrainian or if you see some aggressive comments or messages from Ukrainian people, are, are I ask you to be patient and understanding towards them because right now they are going through something that they would never expect they would go through. They see how they, they're family is dying they are scared for their lives and that's like the reaction of their body that they cannot actually control the emotions that they cannot actually control so please be understanding because you can be the smartest person ever i i see the teams from from the hackathon like the smartest people with such an experience that they can do like amazing projects and be so like thankful and everything but when it happened and they had to run for their life they see how their house have have been destroyed it completely changed them Mm
1: -hmm. and they
2: become a little bit more aggressive but we have to be understanding and patient right now because uh, in Ukraine, the, the great part of Ukrainian population is like IT specialists working for international companies or like scientists or whatsoever. In our country, a very high rate of like people who are involved in uh, intelligent professions, right? That is why a lot of them when a lot of them started to speak up the world was like wow that's a lot of news a lot of voices out there like even in the Mm -hmm. community even like our organization a lot of people were like wow so you are ukrainians and i mean why and i was like that's our name has ukraine Mm -hmm. but they were like from just from the way we were like position ourselves and how neutral we used to be they couldn't say. Right. But when we started to speak up, they were like, oh, my God, we are not ready for this. We are not ready to hear this. And that's totally understandable. You can you can just step back, but please be understandable because it's a really, really difficult situation. And of,
1: of course um, it is. It's it's and, the most the most difficult situation any of us can really think of. Right now, yeah. I'm, I'm curious for for you. Being where you are and doing what you're doing, like you're you're obviously in a very a more a more fortunate position than most in that you're able to continue working and earning a living. Um, what is this experience for you like right now, watching this all unfold from afar?
2: It's like living in a nightmare, to be honest. Uh, honestly, as a community manager, as you mentioned, uh, I have to be very, very patient and positive all the time. And that's how community knows me like, as someone very patient, positive, and as someone who is who would be like, the most joyful person in the room in any room, and I would always aim to talk and organize and try to have the conversation. And then when you kind of like see all this happening on your computer and your uh your brother is calling you crying and uh but at the same time you are safe you feel such a guilt Mm -hmm. i mean you have you feel this uh incredible guilt for being safe for being able to sleep in your own bed instead of going to the bomb shelter and uh and this feeling is eating you from the inside i would say and i would speak for all of ukrainian people who were abroad when it started or like for people who uh, evacuated from ukraine because we feel that we are guilty and for for quite some time it was paralyzing feeling because we couldn't do anything we couldn't Mm -hmm. work productively we couldn't help even because we were feeling good we couldn't eat I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep I was yeah. just constantly watching the news and then putting myself even in a deeper deeper uh, feeling of uh, terrible terrible just sorrow right yeah
1: but you've, you've like, been able you've been able to sort of put use that in a proactive way to put this to put this in this initiative in place
2: yeah yes yeah.
1: and get some Get some money flowing into the country to help with this stuff. Um, we- if, if somebody wanted to contribute, how would they go about doing that?
2: Yeah, please visit the website donate.tazis.org.ua or join any our community on Telegram, Tazis Ukraine, or on Facebook, Tazis Ukraine, or on Twitter. We have all the links there, and we have the a very very detailed instruction or on, on how to use uh or like how to go to, to the website and it's very simple and uh, also to mention the madfish solutions with whom we partner up together to make this solution possible uh because it's very very easy website very easy to figure out so yeah just join our community if you want to and um yeah you can help and it's important to say thank you to all of the members who already donated i i mean we did a great job guys and thank you for all of your support we see all the messages i mean we have the massive massive income of foreigners to our communities expressing their love and support to ukraine and we are very grateful we are very grateful for every help uh you can donate the smallest amount but you will be sure that this money will be used, this currency will be used uh, for the good good sake. So we see that all sometimes we are not able to respond to everyone, but you have to know that we are very grateful.
0: I mean, you said it before, but you really are a great community manager in spinning the positive. That was an excellent message to hear. Um, And in that positive and optimistic vein, I think the last question that we have before we round this conversation down is, what are you excited about in terms of the future for Tezos Ukraine? Like what is the thing, what is the work or the project that you really hope to get back to as soon as you can? And what is your goal there?
2: Uh, Right now, our first priority is to win this war. to uh, protect our country and to go back home to hug our families that's what we all are concentrated on and we get inspired by those people you have to know that people in ukraine are so cheerful and joyful and uh that's where we get our inspiration so that's our goal number one is to protect our country but then we are hoping to finish our hackathon that promising to be the most successful hackathon in the history of Tez's community <laughs> and provide new projects and new solutions for ecosystem. We have a few very, very promising teams that we work together now. So we hope to end up those teams into successful project, uh, projects in the ecosystem and assist them in any way we can uh, in order to make a product that is useful for the TASIS community. And then the goal number three would be to launch another educational course that we were planning for a long time for 2022. But I cannot spoil a lot of details for you guys, even though even for the community, I cannot spoil a lot of details. <laughs> but I think those people who like... Uh, learn something from us like read our blog they can see that all our educational courses are very very fundamental and very detailed so we plan to go even further in that and be even more uh, detailed fundamental and informational well, and we are not, oh, yeah. yeah and we are not it stopping our huge. work in any way sorry to interrupt you but we are not planning to stop or pause our work we are continue working all of us and uh, we are continue to running the communities and communications so in any way we are not going to stop.
0: Well I mean your enthusiasm is genuinely infectious and it's so exciting to hear about your commitment to all of these future projects and like the completion of the hackathon and we're really excited to see what comes out of that. Um, I just really want to Give you a massive thank you for sharing your perspectives with us today. It was obviously a very delicate conversation. We're still very much watching all of it unfold, and no one really knows what's going to happen next. But thank you for voicing your perspective and talking to us about the initiatives that you're leading in terms of offering support to people who are still in Ukraine, and just being a fantastic guest. I don't really. <laughs> no yes, thank you. Oh thank God. you
1: so much for your time. <laughs> thank you,
2: guys. And thanks, thanks to Maria. all of the community for the support again. <laughs> <laughs>